The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 18th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. There were lots and lots of people who bumped up against Jesus during his ministry. And I don't just mean in terms of being near him or seeing him or running into him, but physically bumping up against him. We hear so often in the Gospels that the crowds were pressing in on Jesus. They were suffocating him by trying to be close to him, by trying to touch him. The parents brought their little children to Jesus so that he might lay his hands on them and bless them. People wanted to be close to Jesus. There were lots and lots of people that bumped into Jesus during the course of his ministry. And yet, and yet there really are very few for whom a miracle occurs. We hear one story about a woman who was sick for a long, long time and had wasted lots of money on physicians who could not heal her. But she had heard about Jesus somehow, and she believed in him somehow. And so when Jesus was making his way through the town, she came and she said, if only I touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. So she snuck up on Jesus and she touched just the corner of his garment and instantly, instantly she was cured. She was healed. Jesus knew what had happened, obviously. But the Gospel writers tell us it this way. They say he felt the power go out of him. He knew that someone had received a miracle, that it had taken something from him for this woman to be healed. And so he asks his disciples, who touched me? And his disciples are flabbergasted, as you and I would be. Jesus, there are people everywhere bumping into you and touching you. They're all over the place. What do you mean, who touched me? But that woman, knowing that she was found out, fell on her knees and bowed her head. She couldn't dare even to look at Jesus. She was pleading with him for mercy, and she had received it. And in humility, she knelt before him, and Jesus looked on her in kindness and said, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Your faith has saved you. That's what Jesus says. She didn't know what Jesus was going to be like exactly. She didn't know what he would say to her. She was afraid. But she did know some things that were very important. She knew her need. She knew she was sick and that no one could do anything about it. That on her own, she was going to die in her sickness. She knew that, and she knew that Jesus was powerful to save. And so she pleaded with him for mercy, even in this trivial way, just touching the corner of his garment. 
Now, lots and lots of people had touched the corner of Jesus' garment. Lots of people had bumped into Jesus, and yet, of all those people, this woman was the only one in that crowd who was saved. She trusted in him. She had faith. She touched him with faith. She bumped into Jesus with faith. And that is the difference. That's what makes the difference for this woman. She came to Jesus seeking mercy and not anything else. You see, lots of people in the crowds were doubtlessly there for all kinds of reasons. Someone had told them they could see a miracle. Their family and their friends were drawn along by Jesus. They wanted to see a spectacle. It was a crowd. This must be interesting. Let's go along. They liked listening to what he was saying, but they weren't really sure about it quite yet. Lots of people, faithless, bumping into Jesus. And this one woman who trusts in him receives his mercy. Just before our gospel lesson today, Jesus asks a question. And it is a, it's a harrowing question every time I hear it. It breaks my heart and turns my stomach. This is what Jesus says. When the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on earth? Will there be faith? Will there be those who trust in him, who are looking for his return with joy and hope? Or will it be like the crowds and crowds of people who are just bumping into him because he happened to be there? Will there be people like this woman who have received his mercy? He asks the question. Will the Son of Man find faith on earth? Now, he has asked this question just after he has given his disciples instructions on prayer. He told them a parable that they might learn always to pray and never to lose heart. It's the parable of the persistent widow who went to a judge looking for justice. Someone had wronged her and she was needing someone to stand up for her. So she went to the judge's door and she banged on his door and she asked for justice and the justice didn't care about anyone or the judge didn't care about anyone. He didn't fear God or men and so he wasn't going to get up and help her. But she kept on knocking on his door. She kept on hollering at him and hounding him for justice. And so finally he gets off of his lazy bum and goes and helps her saying, not because I fear God and not because I fear men but because I want you to be quiet. <laughs> I'm going to give you justice. Jesus says, that's not how your Heavenly Father is. But even if unjust men will do what you ask them when you won't let them go, how much more will your Heavenly Father do what you ask Him? Because He loves you. So pray always and do not lose heart. That's what Jesus says. But He wonders, will anyone do it? When the Son of Man returns, will He find faith on earth? After all, lots and lots of people go to church, but how many of them trust? How many of them have faith? Lots of people, Jesus says, will show up on the last day and they will say to him, Lord, Lord, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our presence. And he will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Because although they were there, although their ears were hearing the words, Although they were eating and drinking with Jesus, even eating and drinking his body and blood, they had no faith. They did not trust in his promises. They weren't there for mercy. They were there to put on a show. Or they were there to be left alone, to be left the same as they were before. They were there to feel good about themselves, to be made comfortable and set at ease. They were there for all kinds of reasons, but not to receive mercy. And so on the last day, they will be cast into the outer darkness. That's what Jesus says. And that's why he wonders. On the last day, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith?
But it's not even just going to church. It's even this matter of prayer. Lots and lots of people pray. Nearly everybody prays at some point. There's that old saying, there are no atheists in foxholes. Everybody prays when you run into trouble. But you can see today in our lessons what faithless prayers look like. Notice the Pharisee who comes into the temple. If you heard just the start of his prayer, I, God, I thank you, you would think, here's a Christian. This is a good guy. He's talking to God. He's praying. He's thanking God. This is my man. And in fact, on the outside, he looks wonderful. He's pious. He goes to church every Sunday. He gives wonderful gifts to the church. He is always generous and kind. He fasts. He deprives himself. He doesn't live a gaudy, extravagant life. He doesn't look like the world. And yet, he shows up in church on Sunday morning and he says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. God, I thank you that I'm so good. God, I thank you that I do not have to worry about sin that I don't have to worry about judgment, that I don't have to worry about wrath. God, I thank you, but I don't really even need your mercy because I'm not like other men. There he was, praying, and even praying a prayer that at the first sounds very pious, and yet it is a faithless prayer. Jesus says that man went home not justified. Of course, he was smug and self-satisfied, He thought he was doing fine on his own. He thought he didn't need to hear from God. He didn't need to receive anything from God. He thought he was okay. And yet he went home not justified. When the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on earth? Or look at Cain. It's always so striking, the story of Cain and Abel. After all, Cain is having an intimate, face-to-face conversation with God. If you think that being a Christian is about having an intimate relationship with God, think again, because Cain has an intimate relationship with God. He is speaking directly to him, and God is speaking directly back to Cain. But notice Cain's faithless prayer. First, he starts by lying. I don't know where my brother is. I don't know what you're talking about. What a fool to think that he can cover his sins and lie to God. And then it gets worse. When God pronounces judgment against Cain, when God says, what you've done is dreadful, and there's a curse in store for you because of it, what does Cain do? He says, I can't handle that. My punishment is too great for me. God, don't you think you're being a little bit harsh? Don't you think you're being a little bit judgmental? I can't endure that. It wasn't that bad, what I did. You see, Cain is having a conversation with God. He's praying to God. But his prayer is faithless because instead of hearing God's judgment and pleading with God for mercy, he is standing up for himself. He's making a defense. He's offering something to God that he thinks God should and must accept, but God does not. Sure, he puts a mark on Cain so that no one will kill him, and he says, nope, if anybody comes and kills you, vengeance will be on him sevenfold. But why? Because injustice does not solve injustice. More sin doesn't help the problem of sin, but he doesn't give Cain, mercy. Cain won't have it. He doesn't want it. He thinks his punishment is too great for him to bear. He can't stand listening to God's words. And so he goes away. Faithless Cain, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on earth? Don't be like that. Don't pray like that. Don't think that by the mere motion of your lips or a prayer that begins, God, I thank you, don't think that you're offering a faithful prayer to God. Don't think that just because you talk to God, he is listening. 
He doesn't talk. He doesn't listen just because you open your mouth. He listens to those who trust in him, to those who believe. He listens gladly to those who need his mercy and want to receive it. He listens gladly to the prayer of faith. That's what we have to learn today, the prayer of faith. To learn it, look at the example of the tax collector. He has come into the temple, just like the Pharisee. And if you were to look at him, you would think, that guy's a scoundrel. He doesn't belong here. What does he know about godliness and piety? That man certainly is not going to be heard by God. That's what you would think if you saw him come into church. And that shows you something important about prayer, about faithful prayer. It is not about what you look like on the outside. You can polish everything up on the outside and still be a whitewashed tomb. That's what Jesus says to the Pharisees. That's not how this man was. He didn't first try to make himself squeaky clean before he came into God's presence to pray. He knew what he looked like, and that's why he came to pray. But notice his posture when he comes into the temple. He doesn't stand up like the Pharisee, sticking out his chest and feeling proud of himself. Instead, he can't even lift up his eyes to look at God. He cannot even lift up his eyes, and instead he beats his breast because he knows that what he deserves in God's presence is eternal death. He knows that what he deserves is to be cast away forever. He does not belong here, and he knows it. He does not insist on his rights. God, you must hear me. God, you must let me in. God, you must give this to me because I deserve it. Instead, he says, I don't deserve it. And that is his prayer. Lord, have mercy on me. Already this morning, we've said that word, mercy, probably a dozen times. I I started counting, and then I, I lost track. Probably a dozen times we have asked God for mercy. But do you know what that really means? It's not the kind of mercy that the world deals in, the kind of mercy that a policeman might extend to you if he sees that you're really broken up about how fast you were going, or more likely you're really broken up about how that you got caught. It's not the kind of mercy your brother might extend to you when he catches you doing something that you shouldn't do and he says, okay, I won't tell mom and dad, but you got to do something for me. It's not that kind of mercy where you just wave your hand at the thing and pretend it didn't happen. That's not the kind of mercy that God dispenses and that's not the mercy that this man is asking for. In fact, the word that he uses when he pleads for mercy is a word that is specific to making an atonement, making a sacrifice. That is to say, when the tax collector prays for mercy, he is asking God to give up his life for him. Lord, have mercy. Lord, your life for mine. Lord, your blood for my blood. Your, Lord, your innocence for my guilt. Lord, please die for me. That is what he is praying. He knows. He knows what it will cost for God to be merciful to him. He knows it's not a wave of the hand, it's not just a magic word, it's not just signing on the bottom line and everything's okay, but it is going to cost something dreadful for him to be received into God's presence. He knows that it is nothing less than the death of a Savior. Lord, have mercy. Is that what you mean when you pray, Lord, have mercy? When three times we sing, Lord, have mercy, Christ, have mercy, Lord, have mercy, are you expecting God just to wave your hands, wave his hand, and then it'll all go away? Or do you understand That for it to go away, Christ had to die. Nothing less than his blood and righteousness would cover all of your sin. Do you understand that God loved you in this way? That he gave up his son, his only son, his beloved son, for you? 
Lord, have mercy. That is a faithful prayer. There is no other kind of prayer that is faithful. It is only prayer that is founded on this request. Lord, have mercy. Let us learn always to come into God's presence in this way. Humble, with our eyes cast down, not raised up in pride, not raised up in arrogance, not thinking that we deserve any of this, but understanding that we do not because of our sin. Even the tiniest, least of our sins casts us into hell. We do not deserve God's grace. We do not deserve his love. Let us come into his presence with humility. Cast down your eyes and be miserable and weep over your sins. Do not take them lightly. Do not think they are trivial. Do not think they are free. They were costly. They were burdensome. Christ bore that burden all the way to the cross. But more importantly, come into God's presence with confidence. Come into his presence because he himself has invited you. How could that tax collector enter into the temple unless he knew that God wanted to give him mercy? How could that tax collector pray, Lord, have mercy, unless he knew that God was gracious and merciful and abounding in steadfast love? That is the only way that you and I can pray, at God's invitation. In fact, he teaches us to pray in this way, Our Father, who art in heaven, And then he goes through the petitions, showing us what we ought to ask for. At no point saying, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Lord, I thank you that I don't have very much to ask for today. Lord, I thank you that I'm doing just fine. Instead, we need it all from God, down to our daily bread. Let that be our prayer. Leaving everything behind, all of the things we have brought in tow, all of our sins, the sins which we want to cling to, all of our guilt, all of our grief, all of our despair, leave it all behind and come into God's presence With your eyes cast down, pleading for his mercy, confident in this, that he has shown you mercy, that the blood of Jesus has covered all of your sins. Into the recesses of your heart, into the darkest corners of your life, Christ's blood has gone so that there is light and life and salvation. That is the prayer of faith. That is how we come into God's presence faithfully. And that is how, on the last day, when the Son of Man returns, he will find faith on earth because he has given it to you, because he has taught it to you, because he wants you to live and not to die. So rejoice today. Rejoice that you are free like that tax collector to go home justified, justified by God's merit alone, by his love alone, by his mercy. Continue always to plead to him for mercy. Put your trust in God. He is faithful and he will certainly save you. To God alone be all glory now and forever. Amen.